Welcome to the Catholic Truth Podcast, where we teach and preach the truth of the Catholic faith without compromise and without apology. We want to give you high energy and non-boring Catholicism, where anyone at any time can come to know exactly what the Catholic Church teaches and why. We do apologetics, spirituality, other religions, our culture, and more. Most of all, we want to inspire you, inform you, and help you to know, love, and live your Catholic faith with purpose and passion. We are Catholic Truth. Welcome to Catholic Truth, a nonprofit organization dedicated to teaching and preaching the Catholic truth that has come down to us from Jesus. This is not our opinion. This is exactly what the Catholic Church teaches and why. So anyone from anywhere at any time can come here to know exactly what the Catholic Church teaches and how it can change your life. And I know, just for the record, that many uh, persons who have same-sex attraction have been changed and had their lives changed in and through the Catholic Church. We just recently interviewed uh, someone who struggled with homosexuality and uh, transgenderism on our channel, and he ended up coming to know Jesus and giving his life to Jesus. And if you're interested in that video, you can check that out. I often hear that the Bible does not condemn homosexuality. There's nothing in the Bible that condemns homosexual behavior or homosexuals having relationships with each other or anything like that. But the problem is, it's all over the Bible from the beginning to the end. It's mentioned several times, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, and it's always condemned. So the fact that people say that the condemnation of homosexuality is not in the Bible— I don't know where they get that from because we're going to be discussing the major verses that talk about homosexuality in the Bible and why it's been the constant Christian and Jewish tradition over the last 5,000 years, why homosexuality is not from God and why it's not a Christian practice. I just want to say straight away that this is not meant to be disrespectful toward anyone or condemn anyone in particular, but we are going to look at the verses in the Bible and show that homosexuality is against God, is against the Bible, and is against the Christian faith. So the Bible has several passages that condemn homosexuality and not one single passage that promotes it, encourages it, or says that it's okay in any way. So the first verse we're going to talk about today is Leviticus 18.22, which is the one most people are most familiar with. And it says this, quote, You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. Nor shall you mate with any animal to defile yourself with it. Nor shall a woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is a perversion. So this verse specifically says that a male shall not lie with another male as he does a woman. Or in other words, he shall not have sex with another male as he would a woman, and vice versa. So it seems pretty clear that the Bible condemns homosexual acts homosexual sex and relationships between each other. Now, since it's clear, homosexual activists will have to find a way around this. And usually what they say is that the Bible also condemns other things as abominations as well. Uh, for example, eating pork is considered an abomination in the book of Leviticus, or eating shellfish, or having sex with a woman during her menstrual cycle, and many other things. The word in Hebrew for abomination is toebah, and they say that this word refers to the ritual purity laws in Israel, and homosexuality is part of these ritual purity laws. For example, like having sex with a woman during her menstrual cycle. 
Therefore, they conclude that since all of these other things are obsolete, we can eat shellfish now, we can eat pork now, all of these other things, we can wear certain types of clothing now, which were considered abominations before. So therefore, since these things are allowed now, and there were only ritual purity laws and dietary laws, now they're acceptable, and so is homosexuality, because that was only for a specific people at a specific time. But of course, this is not correct. The homosexual laws are part of the moral law, not the ritual purity laws and not dietary laws. Yes, dietary laws and ritual purity laws were for a specific time. That's why we don't follow them anymore. That's why the New Testament says we can eat pork and other meats. And Acts chapter 10 in the New Testament, along with other verses, says that these are obsolete now and they don't pertain to Christians. Whereas homosexuality is upheld in the New Testament, and it is upheld as something that is condemned. And you'll see throughout the Bible that things like murder, bestiality, adultery, and other things that are part of the moral law in Leviticus are also upheld in the rest of the Bible because these are the moral law which are forever. They don't go away. So adultery, bestiality, homosexuality, all part of the moral law, and they are not part of God's plan. They're not obsolete, and we cannot practice them. The next verse comes from Genesis chapter 19, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Everybody knows the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, where two angels came to check out the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and to pronounce judgment upon them. They stopped first with a man named Lot, who was a righteous man, the Bible says. The Bible says that he lived in Sodom and Gomorrah, and he was constantly surrounded by these men who had sex with other men. And they all had sex with each other. And in fact, when the angels came to visit Lot, they heard in the form of men, they heard about these two men uh, who came to visit and they surrounded the house and said, let those two men come out so we can lie with them. In other words, have sex with them. And Lot said, please, these are visitors, you know, leave them alone. Here, I have two daughters. They've never been with a man. You can sleep with them. <laughs> I mean, clearly this is wrong of him to do that, not father of the year reward at all. But the fact is he offered his daughters to the men and they did not want the daughters. They wanted to have sex with the men. And so clearly, this is homosexuality. And eventually, they tried to break down the door, and the angels blinded the men, and they all ran away. But the point is that these men wanted to have sex with other men. And that is one of the things that is condemned here in Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, of course, homosexual activists and apologists will have to find a way around this. So, of course, they look at other verses in the Bible, which also talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. Certain verses in different books talk about Sodom and Gomorrah being condemned for inhospitality. Others, like in Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 49 to 50, talk about Sodom and Gomorrah being condemned for pride, arrogance, uh, not attending to the needs of the poor, and other sins like that. I mean, it gives a whole list of sins of Sodom and Gomorrah. And one of those sins is homosexuality. At this point, they say that homosexuality is not being condemned. It's just bad forms of homosexuality, like this sort of gang rape of all the men wanting to have these two men. So they'll say that gang rape is unacceptable, and any kind of forced homosexuality or perverted lust is 
you know, unacceptable, but, you know, a loving relationship between two men who really want to be together, well, that's acceptable. That is not what the Bible's condemning. But here's the problem with that. These people will say that Sodom and Gomorrah were condemned just because they were evil. Homosexuality was one problem among many, but it's not condemning good, faithful homosexual relationships. One thing that's important to note, though, in Ezekiel 16, verse 49 and 50, is that the word toebah is used to describe the men at Sodom, that they did abominable things. Toabah, the same exact word that Leviticus uses to condemn the homosexual acts. So they're saying that these homosexual acts were condemned in Ezekiel 16 as well. It was referring to Sodom and saying that it was an abomination what was happening there sexually. Likewise, Jude 7 says this, quote, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise acted immorally and indulged in unnatural lust, they served as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire, unquote. So this verse is also talking about Sodom and Gomorrah, like Ezekiel 16, and refers to it as an unnatural lust. In other words, it's not the way God made it. It's not the way he designed it to be. 2 Peter 2, 6-7 through 7, talks about sexual immorality in Sodom and Gomorrah and how it was perverse, perverse and wicked licentiousness, and just uh, how Lot was surrounded and vexed at all times being surrounded by these people. And so these verses seem to agree with uh, Sodom and Gomorrah in chapter 19 of Genesis, that homosexuality, among other things, was being condemned. And there's a good video by Trent Horn who talks about this, and he makes a good point, saying that people who accept some sins often accept other sins. So if you're practicing homosexuality, you're most likely going to practice a lot of other sins as well. For example, in the church, there was a study done saying that, you know, those who go to church every Sunday faithfully, are not for adultery, not for uh, open relationships. They're not for pornography, cohabitation, abortion, or anything else. But when they interviewed gay Christians who support homosexuality and think it should be part of the church's teaching, they found that overwhelmingly these people also supported abortion. They also supported open relationships, adultery, cohabitation and casual sex by a lot. So many times when we accept one thing that's not for God, we also accept other things that are not from God as well. I just want to say that real quick that, you know, people who say, well, it doesn't outright condemn homosexuality. It's only condemning bad sexuality, you know, not really good, uh, loving, faithful, uh, open and mutual relationships between two homosexual men or women. But the fact is, you know, we could use that for anything. And the very next verses after this, Lot's daughters sleep with him. They get him drunk and then they sleep with him. So they create incest. Now, some people might make the case based on the same exact logic that incest is not bad in itself. It's only unconsenting uh, incest or rape you know, where you get someone drunk and then rape them, like what happened here in the Bible. You know, that's what the Bible's condemning. It's not condemning good incest, but can you see how the Bible doesn't differentiate between the two? The Bible, in every verse, and even homosexual apologists admit this, every single verse in the Bible 
is a condemnatory verse against homosexuality. Conversely, there's not one single verse in the entire Bible that says homosexuality is acceptable, that good relationships in a homosexual loving way are acceptable, or anything like that. There is no affirmation for homosexual relationships from the first page to the last page in the Bible. So they're reading into the Bible what they want, but it's not actually there. And again, this is not meant to be disrespectful toward them, just to let us know why the Christian and Jewish uh, churches have taught for the last 2,000 and 3,000 years before that why homosexuality has always been condemned by God. And this can be seen in Genesis chapter 2, where God creates man and woman. Matthew 19, where Jesus upholds the creation of man and woman, that God created them to be fruitful and multiply. And God's design of marriage was between one man and one woman. So when a man goes to sleep with a man and a woman goes to sleep with a woman, that is not the way that God designed it. It's what the Bible calls unnatural. And we're going to see that in Romans chapter 1 next. Romans chapter 1, verse 21 and following says this, quote, For although they knew God, they did not honor him or give thanks to him, but became futile in their thinking, and their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Therefore God gave them up to the lusts of their heart and the impurity to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. For this reason God gave them up to their dishonorable pleasures, their women exchanged natural relationships for unnatural, and the men likewise gave up natural relationships with women who were consumed with passion for one another. And men committed shameless acts with men and receiving in their own persons the due penalty for their error." Unquote. So we see from this verse that men were sleeping with men, and women were sleeping with women, and they had given up God. They had given up uh, godliness, and they were given over to their base passions, their disordered passions, their perversions of sexuality that God hadn't originally intended for. And they started sleeping with each other instead of someone with the opposite sex. And the book of Romans condemns this. It condemns turning from exchanging, the Bible says, relationships with women and giving it to men. So a man sleeping with another man and women sleeping with another woman. The Bible condemns this outrightly. This is so blatant and obvious. It's very hard to get around. Paul was saying in these verses that even though the pagans did not know God, they did not have the law of God, they really did, because God has put his law, it's called the natural law, on our hearts. We are supposed to know these things naturally. Like, even if you've never heard of God, you should know that murdering another person is wrong. That's in us as a human being. God has put that in our hearts. We just know some things are wrong, even if we're not told. And the two things that Paul upholds as things that people should know are wrong are idolatry in this passage and homosexuality in this passage. Two things in this passage, idolatry and homosexuality. And just as these men and women exchanged worship for the true God, for false gods and perversion, so they exchanged true relationships and true sexuality for false relationships and false perversions that weren't from God. And thus the Bible says they were going to be punished for that. And again, homosexual activists and apologists will say that's only 
condemning some forms of homosexual behavior, you know, the lustful forms, the forms that deviate from God's plan. But it's not talking about gay Christians who love God and love each other and, and are having a healthy relationship with each other. But, but again, the Bible doesn't distinguish between good and bad. It just condemns homosexuality in general. Now, some apologists will say that unnatural or natural refers only to customary things in the Bible. But we can see throughout the Bible that nature actually <laughs> refers to nature. Like in Romans 2.14, Romans 11.24, and other verses like that. Now these per people were evil, for sure, and I'm sure they had a laundry list of sins. But Paul mentions two sins, idolatry and homosexuality. And these are two sins that we'll see in a second that are condemned in 1 Corinthians 6-9, where it says that idolaters, homosexuals, adulterers, and others, fornicators, and other people like that, will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So all of these passages together seem to create a context that homosexuality, you know, is not part of God's plan, the practice of homosexuality, and, you know, gay sex and that sort of thing. It's not part of God's plan. The natural part of God's plan is male and female marriage. And we can see that even in our body parts. If you look at men and women's body parts, we know they go together. That's their natural function. The natural function of a liver is to remove uh, foreign waste from the body. The natural function of, let's say, a heart is to pump blood and oxygen to other parts of the body. So each body part has a function that works the way it's supposed to work. It's the natural way it's supposed to work. And a man and a woman who have private parts, their natural function is sexuality, that when they go together, they create life and keep life going on the planet. That's why God created marriage as an institution and said, be fruitful and multiply. In other words, love each other and have children. These two parts are necessary aspects of marriage. You have to love each other and you have to be able to have uh, life, children, and that sort of thing. But the natural function of those parts is sexual relations. It's children and children in marriage. The backside and going in the backside, no disrespect intended, the natural function of the backside is waste. It's to excrete waste from our bodies. It's not meant to be for sexual pleasure, sexual relationships, or anything like that. That is an unnatural perversion of what God originally intended. Some people say that the Bible just condemns lust. And, you know, even in heterosexual relationships, you know, throughout the Bible, heterosexuals are called out for doing unnatural things as well in regard to lust. And that's true. And so they're saying, you know, just as <clears throat> heterosexuals can have good relationships, but, you know, you want to stay away from the bad, false ones. So homosexuals can have good relationships too, and you just want to stay away from the false ones. But that's problematic. The problem with it is that the Bible condemns and only condemns homosexual relationships. Whereas the Bible, yes, condemns lust even in heterosexual relationships, but also upholds and promotes and teaches heterosexual relationships. Starting from Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, you see God's design in man and woman, the complementarity of the sexes, God's design for marriage, and you see the proper use of sexuality upheld. You never see that with homosexuality because it's not part of God's plan and there's not a page in the Bible where it says that it's okay. That's why homosexual activists and apologists have to add what they think 
the Bible says, because it's not actually there. The last verse we're going to talk about is 1 Corinthians 6, 9, which says this, quote, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor robbers inherit the kingdom of God, unquote. So this verse says, among other sins, again, just like Romans 1, idolatry, but also homosexuality, the practice of homosexuality is wrong. Just having same-sex attraction is not sinful, is not wrong. You might not have even chose that. You may have had it since your earliest memories. That might not be something you even want. To just have same-sex attraction is not necessarily sinful. It's what you do with it similar to how you might be in marriage and you might want to go off with another woman who understands you more and you connect with her more and you might relate to her more and you might even say you love her more, but you might think that in your mind, but as soon as you act on it, I mean, of course, if you fantasize about it, it's sinful too, but, you know, just to have an attraction to another woman in marriage is not sinful, but to go act on it and to commit adultery with your wife, that is sinful and that's problematic. So when we act on these things, that's where the problem comes in. And that's what it's talking about in this passage too. The Greek word here used in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, there's two Greek words. One is malakoi and the other is arsenikoitai. And both of these refer to homosexuality in some way. I mean, there's different variances, there's different word uses, but I mean, especially our senokoitai, most even homosexual apologists will admit that it has to do with male sex in some way. I mean, you get the word uh, male and coitus or male sex, bed, all related together. So they know it's talking about male sex in some way. I mean, they try to justify it and say this or that, but, you know, oh, it's talking about um, sex trafficking. And the other one's talking about just being cowardly or weak. But in reality, they're put together and one is talking about a more passive role or passive participant in male sex, and the other is the active or dominant participant in male sex. So I was talking about male sexuality, male-on-male sexuality, male-on-male relationships, and that's what it's condemning here in 1 Corinthians 6-9. In a very narrow sense, arsenokoitai could refer to prostitution or trafficking of some of some sort. But again, that's the very narrow view. The same word is used in a much broader sense to refer to men engaging in sexual activity with other men. And again, that's what's being condemned here in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, along with idolatry, fornication, and other sexual licentiousness and perversion. This is just a brief treatment of all of these passages, six passages specifically, and all of them are negative in regard to homosexuality, and none of them are positive. None of them justify the behavior. None of them make distinctions. None of them, I mean, Paul could have, if he wanted to, said that males can have relationships with other males if they're loving and kind, and they're not lust-filled, and they're not, you know, based on utility or using the other person or rape or anything like that. He could have said these things, but he did not. The only type of language we have in the Bible is the condemnation of homosexual relationships and acts. Again, having same-sex attraction is not sinful, but acting on it is. That has been a constant tradition of the church, the Bible, Judaism, everything. 
And only today do we have revisionist theologians, people who are trying to revise the Bible to fit their own teachings and lifestyles and working really hard and doing a whole lot of mental gymnastics to get around these things. I mean, if you read all of the earliest Christians, they're unanimous in condemning homosexuality because it's not part of God's design. Men and men can't go together. If there were only two men on the planet, what would happen? We would go extinct because they can't procreate. Their bodies don't naturally function to go with each other. The natural function of a man is to go with a woman. And I mean, think of a woman's body. It's just absolutely mind-boggling and beautiful how when a man you know, gives his sperm and she receives it and they start having a baby, her body turns into a factory, this beautiful working factory, which starts working in all ways to start supporting life. The breasts will receive milk, which can feed the baby and the womb. And I mean, all of these things start preparing for life because that's the way God designed it. He designed a man and a woman to be together forever in a lifelong commitment of marriage, to have children, to populate the earth, and to grow in family together. Now, I know some people will say, you know, it's sad that, you know, homosexual people can't have a family. And yeah, that is a huge cross, absolutely. But there are many heterosexual people who have that cross too. There are some people who really want to get married and can't find anyone. And they are forced to stay alone their whole life, even though that's not what they want. Maybe a man got divorced by his wife and he didn't want to get divorced. He wanted to be with her, but now he finds himself lonely and he finds himself on his own. He can't remarry because Jesus said, you're not allowed to remarry. So he's stuck being alone, even though that's not what he wants. He may have even found a great woman for him, but he can't remarry. And again, anything that anyone who says that you can remarry, oh, you know, he found someone so nice. It's well, Don't you just want him to get remarried? These are all emotional arguments based on feelings and not based on facts, based on what we feel and not what God says. And we have to be careful of inserting our own feelings uh, in place of what God says. And yes, these are crosses, but there are great organizations that are out there to help people like Courage, who is filled with people who have same-sex attraction and are there for each other, supporting each other, growing in love and purity and serving God. And uh, check out our video by Hudson Biblo, who said that uh, he, uh, in his early life, had homosexuality and transgenderism and came to know Christ and has never been happier, has never been freer, has never been full, uh, more fulfilled. Uh, but check out that video because people are happy. Sex does not make you happy. It's temporary. Only God makes us happy. Only God fulfills our hearts. Only God can give us that love that we strongly desire. I mean, I was just as happy before marriage as I am in marriage because I had God and God was the one who filled me up. If I had never got married, I would have been okay with that because I had Jesus and I was happy and fulfilled in him. Yeah, sure. Sometimes I was lonely. Yes, definitely. Sometimes it was hard, but there are drastically lonely people in marriage, people who are desperately lonely in marriage and some maybe even who would like to get away to another wife or another husband who would treat them better, but they can't. And our life is full of crosses, but the bottom line is we can't change God. We can't change his word. We can't change his truth. We only have to surrender and ask for God's help because he's the only one who can give us the life, the joy, the peace, and the fulfillment and the eternal life that we are truly seeking. So many times everyone else is making the narrative of what God teaches when in reality we need to be the one giving 
the narrative of what God teaches because he started the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Support us on Patreon. Support us on PayPal. We need about 20 uh, monthly donors giving about $20 a month. Maybe you could pray about that. We Please don't assume someone else will. We need 20 people giving $20 a month. If you only can give 10, that's fine. If God has blessed you and you want to give 30 or 50, that's fine. But consider giving $20 a month. We would really appreciate that. And you can see our links and see what we do down below with our Patreon and our PayPal. May God bless you.